bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist. Welcome, everyone. We're here with another great episode of Solo De Facto. I'm your host, Tom Dufton, and I'm here with an awesome guest. I'm really excited for this one. She's a fellow podcast host of the Professional Use Only podcast. She's the founder and managing attorney at Anderson Law Firm. Please welcome Nikosha Anderson. Nikosha, welcome. Hi, Tom. Hi, everyone listening. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm glad to have you on here for so many reasons. I mean, it's always great to have a fellow podcast host, but you also have such a wealth of knowledge. And I just want to spend the next couple of minutes really picking your brain apart here. So let's get right <laughs> down to it. Not oh, in that God. way. But <laughs> I mean, we can get a little Hannibal Lecter if you want, but I don't think that's the route our listeners want to go. But... We'll do the pick your brain. There we go. That's much better. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. So we'll dive right into it here. So let's start out here. And what's one thing you wish attorneys knew about running a successful law firm? I wish attorneys knew to hire early. I wish I was taught this in law school. I wish I knew the advantages. Of course, there are some disadvantages, but the advantages definitely outweigh anything else. Hire help early. You cannot do everything. Now, hiring help early, what does that allow you to do But once you get all the people? So hiring help early allows you to, one, buy back your time. That's the most important resource that you will ever have. So it's one of those things, if you can buy back time, it'll afford you the opportunity to do other things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do if your deliverables are keeping you in the line of production. For instance, if you had that assistant to answer the phones, you won't keep getting interrupted. If you had an assistant that could prep your your office templates or at least get the file ready to a point where you don't have to do a lot of the back end work, it's all ready to go. So as soon as you touch the file, you're ready. And had I learned this at an earlier stage in my practice, I probably would be further along. So I just tell everyone, buying back your time is the most important thing you could ever do. Now, I love the way you say that. I mean, time is such a precious commodity, and especially in work when things constantly get crazy, having all that time is invaluable. Most definitely. Most definitely. You cannot put a price point. And then I know there are listeners who are like, well, Nikosha, my firm is barely generating $2,000 a month. My firm is barely generating 5,000. I can barely pay myself. What are you talking about? Well, what does that look like really? You're only generating $2,000 or $5,000 a month in income because you're doing all the things. If you would hire a, a receptionist, just to start with the easiest task, if you hire a receptionist at 10, 15, even $20 an hour for five hours a week, that's only $100, but you got back five hours of your time to go get more work, to go network, to go uh, let people know that you're out here and what you can do and provide for them. Because 
that's five hours you were doing something else. So I always look at it in that metric of what can I outsource at the cheapest cost? For me, reception service. For me, a legal assistant with filing things in my Dropbox or whatever cloud server you may use to house your stuff. Uh, think of it in those terms, and then you will be off to a better stop. And I don't know why the formula works, but this formula works, and that's just the way it is. Now, why is it so hard for so many people to do this? I would say it's so hard for so many people to do this, Tom, seriously, because we weren't taught. And as lawyers, we are taught to look at everything from both angles. Well, I'm currently at this stage, so how do you expect me to project to afford a legal assistant. I'm currently here and I'm barely making ends meet and my savings is slowly dwindling. I don't know the first thing. Well, I always tell people when we became lawyers, we learned how to be technicians. We didn't learn how to be entrepreneurs per se in the law business. And that's one of the key aspects I always teach um, in any, whether it's law, medical, you're a photographer, whatever you are, you have to treat your business like a business and run it as such. But if you don't know where to start, one of the key components is do a brain dump and write down all the tasks that you're currently doing and then put a value next to it. If it doesn't require your certified expertise as a photographer to do, you can outsource it. If it, if you're a lawyer, for instance, and if it doesn't require a JD to do, if it doesn't require a law license to do, you can outsource it. Now, I love what you said about doing that brain dump there. That's fantastic. And that's just one way for people to start doing this. So what are some other ways that people can really start realizing that they can better use their time by outsourcing for a lot of that? Uh, another way is, of course, a time study. Um, you can certainly uh, turn on a timer. You can go to Google and, and Google timer and one will come up for free. Um, you can even have a timer on your phone if you're anti-Google because there are some people who are anti-Google. Uh, so you can just set a timer to see how long it's really taking you to do tasks. And I think that was one of the best things I could do because I realized that what I thought it was taking me, it really wasn't. And then also I learned about value-based billing because I use a lot of flat fees in my practice. I'm not a, a hourly or evergreen type of retainer type firm. I'm flat fee. So I don't bill, of course, um, in the traditional sense of a law practice. But even if I did, I needed to know how to balance my value ads for my clients. And that let me know um, what I was doing, how I was doing it. And I know a lot of firms uh, are currently taught that traditional method of you 0. 0.6, 0. 0.9, you know, all the points and 0. 0.1, 0. 0.1, 0. 0.1. Uh, so if that is you, I would say definitely do a time study. You may want to look at other revenue models in the law firm business uh, methods because they may actually um, produce more income for you than the hourly because when you do hourly you have to account for admin time to produce the invoice and you're not getting paid for that and I think a lot of people don't understand that when you are hourly you have a lot of a little bit more admin time and that's not billable <laughs> Now, I love the way you say all of that. And the, I feel like this is a huge misconception that a lot of people have thinking that they can tackle everything themselves. Yep. So what are some other misconceptions that people might have in the area of law? Oh, goodness, um, that I have to know 
every single fact, every single case as it relates to my practice area. You're not going to know everything. And if you're fresh um, starting out or you're coming off the boot, as I say, of law school, you don't know a lot of things. And you're going to have to get in the trenches and just start digging. And that practice of learning will never stop. So understand that you won't know everything and that's okay. You just need to understand the tools that you were provided in law school will never fail you. Number one, analyze the problem. Number two, what rules apply to this particular problem? Once I understand the rules, how do they uh, coincide to where my facts are the same thing we had to do is the same thing with any issue. And pretty soon you'll start learning these particular issues typically have these typical responses. Every time it won't be the same, but for the most part, they have a general pattern. Now, that's a great way of saying it. I feel like a lot of it the in the trenches. I love the way that's said because a lot of the job, learning on the job is a huge thing for a lot of people. And you're taught a lot of skills in, in school and in college. But really getting that experience at work is just so invaluable. So if you want to talk a little bit deeper about that. I would say that um, in this practice of law is um, in business, um, in order to generate more business in anything, you have to have some soft skills. You have to have some empathy. You have to have sympathy and you have to gauge your life experiences and understand that the next person you encounter's life experiences may not be the same as yours. Um, and I think that when we approach things and approach getting clients in that way, approach how we practice law, how we manage our team, how we then learn work-life balance. If you apply these principles to that, I think it has set the tone for a totally different experience for most lawyers because so many, especially women lawyers, a lot of women lawyers are getting burnt out, especially right in the heart of the season we are in because so much is falling on their plate, not just work-related, but household-related. So if you approach that principle of having sympathy, having empathy for the next person you encounter, it'll change the dynamics of that relationship and change how you uh, practice. It may change how opposing, for instance, how opposing counsel may encounter you, how the judge may encounter you. If you're a litigator or your practice includes that type of role, I'm more transactional. So I don't have to deal with uh, judges on a day-to-day or a lot of opposing counsels. Most of my clients are creatives, entrepreneurs, and they're happy and they're excited. And so I get to deal with those individuals, but oftentimes they're anti rules and, and uh, structure, they're more um, in a different uh, frame of thinking as it relates to what they do. So learning how to understand that if I come to them and say, we got to do boom, 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 that's too, too much structure. They, are, they don't understand that. But that took me having empathy for understanding how they learn. And the same rule and principle applies no matter what you're doing. I think that's amazing. I mean, so true that honestly, any aspect of work when people, you have to have empathy for others because you never know how others learn and everybody learns differently. That is so true. Yeah, I think that's such a huge part of a lot of this. And I think that's, you know, that actually feeds into my next question here. Okay. What are one or two things about running a firm or business that is the most challenging or people are struggling with? Oh, okay, Tom. Okay, so I, when you say one to two, 
I may have five. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you can list as many as you want. I'm not going to hold you back. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so I would say one of the two things that are holding a lot of people back is imposter syndrome. I know for me being a um, African-American lawyer in the United States, I make up about 5% of the practicing attorneys right now which is a very low percentage in relation to the population of lawyers and the population of the United States, of course. So for a lot of people who look like me, they've never encountered a lawyer who looks like them. I can't even, I'll run out of fingers, hands, and toes if I told you in my previous practice of working for the government, how many clients I encountered where I was the first uh, Black attorney they ever experienced. I was the first Black a woman attorney they ever experienced and they never like, oh, you do exist. So I say one of the key things that's holding a lot of people back is not seeing people who look like them. And then on the flip side of that is um, the old guard or people who are have been in the profession won't hire people who look like us because we may not have came from the traditional track of an Ivy League school or a top tier school, but we still are educated and capable and have the drive and the grit to get out here and hit the pavement to actually be great producing um, for the profession. So I say that's one, that's two. And then the last thing, since I've um, reactivated my practice and came back into private practice, I would say a challenge is just finances. I would definitely say finances is a challenge because we're, again, it goes back to that training or lack thereof, where you don't know what you don't know, but you have this immerse, uh, like this huge amount of pressure of don't mess it up because if you mess it up, they're going to come get you. And you're like, when are they coming? Oh my God, it's like this invisible boogeyman. But when they come, or if you're into Harry Potter, uh, the, uh, the, oh gosh, what were they called? The dog? Oh. The uh, dementors. The that's dementors, <laughs> yes. So the dementors are coming. And so that's all how, I, but the Florida bar, if you encounter people who work where I work at the Florida bar, well, where I'm licensed, I don't work for the Florida bar. But 90, 100% of the people who work there are pleasant, great people, great individuals. They're not that dark, scary, shadowy thing that we think is going to come and get us if we don't have our trust account in the right way or oh my god this client is complaining about something oh my goodness they're gonna fire me and so you're like panicking and freaking out when in actuality you take a deep breath you understand okay what systems do I have in place what resources can I use I'm pretty sure my bar has something written down to where they can guide me at least get me on the right track um also try to find a mentor. I think that's another thing that's holding people back is the lack of mentors in the space or being able to know how to ask for a mentor. And that then goes back to what my fourth or fifth point of relationship building. I don't believe a lot of lawyers understand the importance of relationship building in this profession or just in life in general, because it's relationships that's actually going to guide you and hold your firm and hold you personally, professionally, when it feels like nothing else is working out. I, I can't even tell you the amount of uh, referrals I have gotten or just from people who I didn't even know were watching me, but they've encountered me in my past or how I may have 
saw they had a bad day and I just randomly send them a card that made them smile. It's the little things that will grow your firm. Not necessarily that you're not on the side of a a bus. You're not on the side of that billboard. You're not on the nightly news advertising your firm. Yes, those things are great. And if you have the marketing budget for that, go ahead, knock it out. But for most solo practitioners, we don't. So we have to learn the other side of marketing, which is all about relationships. So does that go in with kind of the word of mouth marketing in a sense of just, you know, letting your practice speak for itself? It can, but you actually have to be a little proactive and you have to be strategic in what you do and how you do it. Are you, are you actually cultivating your referral partners? Do people really even know what you do? How many, like, do you have a way of saying what you do that's going to make an impact in how someone describes you to someone else? The goal is to always have ambassadors and you can have ambassadors in your firm um, even without paying them. For example, if you have uh, a signature way of saying what you do, for instance, I always tell people, um, because most people don't know what IP is. So I say, well, I assist entrepreneurs in protecting their income producing ideas so they don't get robbed. Or I I flip it or something like that. Or I help entrepreneurs not get robbed of their income producing ideas. You're going to remember robbed and income and ideas. If I told you I'm an intellectual, I'm a business and intellectual property attorney, you're going to what? (laughs) it'll go right over everybody's head (laughs) everybody's head but if you're going to remember being robbed and income producing ideas right so it lands a little different you need to just make sure when you do what you do make sure it's landing and understand you can tweak that for the spaces that you're in and then also make sure your follow-up game is on point I can't even tell you how many um, speaking engagements or other networking or whatever it was and or law students, even speaking to law students. I've gone out and spoke to people and gave them my cards and specifically told them, hey, follow up with me on X day and X time. Do you think they did it? No, (laughs) no. And that speaks volume because the next time you encounter me, I'm going to remember you didn't do it. You didn't follow up. Follow-up is going to separate you from others. No, that's so true because following up is so important for everything. I mean, a lot of people kind of forget it's those little things that really make a huge difference and it brings out people's personality. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are kind of afraid to show their personality. They kind of sit behind the, oh, suit and tie and I have to be so formal and, you know, I have to sit upright. No, you don't. And I I told people when I was in government practice, I was in court every day and we all know um, uh, what that looks like. But I wore skirts. I wore printed skirts, African skirts. I wore red lipstick. I had different color blazers. I, I accessorized with glasses. So right now I have on red glasses. I have blue glasses. I have clear glasses. I just did all different types of way things to express my personality. And now that I'm back in private practice, honey, I wear Chuck Taylors. I wear red lipstick. I wear uh, hoodies and I still get my job done. I'm still um, making results happen for my clients. Um, Nobody really cares 
that I may have on pajama bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in this day and age with a lot of people working from home. It's so different now. (laughs) Nobody cares. As long as you can produce results and they are happy with the results that you are getting for them, you're golden. I mean, that's perfect. And I actually want to talk to you a little bit too about what excites you about the future. Ooh, so um, I'm super excited uh, um, for the growth of tech tools in the law, on the practice of law. I feel like this is a definite, uh, I feel like this is an environment of we're on the cusp of so many great things. We're getting so many new tech tools specifically tailored for lawyers, which I think is great. I'm happy that more practitioners are embracing technology. I am, I'm excited that the court systems, because I'm on our, I'm on a committee for our bar. And some of the things that me and the committee, other committee members are working on are uh, tailored language for virtual hearings, tailored language for virtual appearances, um, which is so important. I know there are some people who enjoy that getting up, putting on the suit, driving to court, but there are a lot of practitioners who understand the benefit of being able to appear in multiple places without getting in their car and wasting away or paying tolls. Cause in the state of Florida, we have so many tolls. <laughs> um, so it's one of those things I'm excited. Those are a few of the things I'm excited about. Perfect. And now I want to take this time to get to really know you. So tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, who are you? You know, oh take it God. all the way back here. Well, I was born on a Saturday morning. No. <laughs> <laughs> was it raining? Was it sunny? You know, all that. <laughs> I don't think it was raining per se, but um, um, who's Nikosha? Nikosha is a she is a daughter. She is a wife. She is a mother to a rambunctious nine-year-old little girl. She is uh, ambitious. She is courageous. She is uh, loving. She is caring to, um, she is excited to learn. Um, Nikosha is prides herself on her work product. She can definitely be hard on herself at times. Uh, Nikosha is uh, an individual who has the tenacity to teach herself how to knit by watching YouTube videos. Uh, She taught herself, uh, she enjoys reading and her favorite restaurant is California Pizza Kitchen. Uh, I've never been there, but now I'm going to have to try that one. Oh, you have <laughs> got to go. They have a special, uh, they have um, with their rewards. So make sure you sign up with their rewards. This is not sponsored. I'm just a, I'm just a dedicated. I'm uh, in so many reward programs now. I got Shaw's because it's right down the street for me. Okay. So it's, it's just all of that. As soon as I see them, I'm like, well, I might as well. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that's a good, I mean, I don't, I could keep going, but Nikosha, I would say I'm, I'm pretty dope. Uh, I like, I think I'm pretty dope. I am a push the envelope, uh, do it, ask questions later. I used to work with a coworker and she taught me this saying that it's just better to ask for forgiveness and permission 
And that kind of stuck with me. So I always tell people, just do it. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of people get lost in that everyday kind of sense of just live your life and be happy. Yes. yes. You're missing out on so much opportunity by conforming to individuals ideals of you and they may not match who you truly are so if you be who you are they will have to adapt now you said you're an avid reader as well there what's the latest book that you've read because I'm always looking for a new book oh I'm such I'm now in this professional development business development phase so I've been listening I I have an audible subscription so I've been listening to Atomic Habits Uh, I've been listening to um, uh, oh my gosh! Can I pick up my phone? Yeah, go <laughs> right in. Spot. Give me a second. I know. I'm always trying to remember the names of books. I'll. I can remember everything about it except the name. Yes, I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh! You would ask me that. Um. So, I just finished "Never Lose a Customer" by Joey Coleman, which is very, very good. If you're a practitioner, I highly recommend. Um, Joey Coleman is a former lawyer and he wrote a really great book about the client journey and how it's the little things that really matter the most. So Never Lose a Customer by Joey Coleman. And of course, Profit First by Mike um, McCallowitz, um, which is how I manage our accounting in the firm. And then um, Atomic Habits again, by James Clear is the latest book. And I have a whole bunch in my library that are pending, but I'm not going to bore you with all of those. <laughs> well, after the show, you and I will have to talk more okay, about all yes. these books. <laughs> yes. And it's so great too. You're saying you have a nine-year-old. I actually, I'm a uncle to three kids now. And- oh, you're the fun. <laughs> I love, see, <laughs> I'm a only, so I won't be, um, biologically I won't be an aunt or uncle but I do have a a nephew um my husband's uh, brother has a son so I am an aunt I'm I'm throwing up yes (laughs) but I don't get to see uh, my little nephew that often and I'm a godmom so I do have uh, other little babies around me that I just love on in addition to my nine-year-old I mean, I like being an uncle simply for the fact that I can just kind of do whatever and rile the kids up and then send them right back. (laughs) That is a beauty, right? So I am the aunt that does, I told you, I follow the philosophy of ask forgiveness and permission later. So I give the kids candy. I buy them all the toys and things like that their parents won't buy. I get them, I'll be like, what you want? Okay, (laughs) I put it in the Amazon. Oh, see, my fiance is the same way. She gets the best gifts for the kids. And all the time she's like, well, what do you think they want? Should we get them this? And I'll go, sounds good to me. Listen, <laughs> you, you should... do it. And I'll, I'll just take partial credit for it. No, you take all the credit. And then next thing, what you do is you get them Nerf guns, right? And you have a Nerf fight. Oh, you get them, you oh, get, yeah. them get them early. So then right now, while it's cold, um, the temperatures drop, you get the, you know, the little styrofoam ones, but when it starts warming up, we get the water guns and yep. then we can have like a, a, a night brigade, like attack. Yeah. And then they even have like laser ones where you could do like laser. T- Listen, we have all the fun. You have to have fun. I mean, that's the whole point of life. You got to enjoy it. You got to live it up. You we do. got, we actually got my nephew, a whole thing of, uh, di- it was called like dinosaur blasters and it's Nerf guns, but 
dinosaur see? theme. See, you already know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is fantastic. I'm having fun and I'm an adult. So <laughs> you should even probably put a, like a little nerf section in your office. So if you're having a bad day. Oh, we day, do have one. See, see, <laughs> see if you're having a bad day, just boom, you know, put it on the wall or whatever. I won't say whose pictures you should put up. That's up to you. It's and a big stress relief. <laughs> I agree. And it doesn't hurt anybody. So I'm always down for that. No, this has been such an amazing conversation and I have had so much fun with you. Where can people connect with you? Oh my goodness. So I am usually on Al Gore's internet on Instagram. So you can find me at Esquire, the number four, four. So Esquire four, four. And I'm pretty sure that would be somewhere in the description box, uh, somewhere in the show notes. And then uh, if you want to connect with me, if you're interested in learning more on how I can help you with your business and consulting, or you're looking to trademark or protect some form of your income producing ideas, you can find, uh, find me or book a consult at my website, which is andersonlawfl.com. Yes, it's andersonlawfl.com because I'm not the only Anderson Law in the state of Florida. So I had to differentiate myself. <laughs> I mean, that's the key, really. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been so much fun. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I had a ball. And I've learned so much from you, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well. And for the listeners out there, please share the podcast. And if you learned something today, and I know I did, I got two pages of notes here, double-sided. So if I learned a lot, you guys definitely learned a lot. So that wraps it up for a great episode of Solo De Facto, and I will see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist, helping you grow your firm one call, one chat one new client at a time. To discover how they can help you grow your firm, head on over to backofficebetties.com and mention the Solo De Facto Show for an exclusive listener offer.